Hello, welcome to P-Cube, the one and only Pokemon Cube podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Martin, brought to you with co-host, Connor Lavelle. Alright, so today we're going to be talking about high power building, how to, view, how to build, and how to draft in high power. Um, but all this kind of leading up to Cube League starting this weekend on the 11th and 12th. Uh, Connor, are you ready for Cube League? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm really excited for the competition to resume. Really excited for the new season. Um, but uh, I, I don't feel super confident going into this one. My efforts to test have uh, ended poorly for me. And uh, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I mean, you always got room for comeback. <laughs> Although... You have had a pretty consistent run this past Cube League. Um, you ended about second, right? You were about, or no, you were first, right? At the end of it. Uh, yes. So I'm still trying to maintain my rank one position on the rankings. Um, I was rank one for the first two seasons, and then I uh, started off season three as rank two, and then I. I climbed to rank one and stayed there. So hopefully I can just start at rank one this time and, and cut out a little bit of the extra work. Yeah. My, my goal is to be in, in I want to be in the top five and then not play champs cube. I think that's, that's my, <laughs> my ultimate goal. Uh, fantastic. I mean, if I can just, if I can get like the, the buy again and then not have to, and then not actually play cause you know, we stream it, <laughs> that, that always feels good. Right. Um, are we doing any changes to the Champs Cube uh, requirements, or are those been announced yet? Uh, so they have not been finalized publicly, but I do believe after having uh, several discussions internally, uh, we are going to keep it the same. Ah, that seems like a good idea. Uh, so you're looking at what about, is it, what's the point total such qualify? Is it like 20 points, right? Yep, so 20 points to qualify, 50 points for a round one buy, and uh, 80 points for a round two buy. Uh, okay, so uh, if you're listening out there, Champs Cube is basically, uh, it's like our World Championships Cube, happens twice a year. Uh, this will probably happen, what do you think, sometime around, is it February next year? Or sooner? Uh, yeah, roughly that window. All right, so man, that's quite a ways away. Um, but so we have about four other, we have this cube league coming up, uh, this weekend and about, I think what, three more starting after that. So definitely make sure you, if you're not signed up and you want to play in a super competitive cube environment, uh, honestly, it's really the only way you can play a competitive cube. Uh, make sure to sign up. There's a limitless page, uh, already out there. If you're listening on YouTube and Spotify, uh, they will have links in the descriptions for that. But yeah, make sure to sign up. It starts this weekend. It's free to enter. Uh, all you have to do is sign up and show up for the draft. We have multiple drafting times starting at 12 p.m., 6 p.m. Saturday CDT, as well as a 12 p.m. Uh, 12 p.m. Sunday uh, CDT time as well. And that's really fun. The draft only takes about a few hours, and you have, uh, depending on when you draft, like, you know, like, several hours to build your deck and then uh you only have to play around about once every five days um give or take so it, it's really easy to fit into your schedule it, it's kind of fun to uh, interact with other people from the league it's interesting too because we have people from different uh countries i know we have even the admin team spread uh spread out between i think at least three different countries 
Um, so the Cube League definitely is a more diverse even. So you get to meet different people from different places uh, who all love Cube. And I don't know, it's just a really fun way to interact with people. But uh, sign us for that on Limitless. But we've, uh, it's not going up. The Cube we're doing is actually my own Cube. It's a high power Cube. It's kind of sprung on the reason we want to talk about this episode. And uh, we'd like to get into uh, our Crack a Pack. Uh, this one comes from our from uh, my high power Cube. And looking at the pack here, you can see on the screen we have Nest Ball, Fog Crystal, Kikimuku with uh, Innards Out. Uh, basically, when it gets knocked out, you take six damage counters. Reggie Rock with Ready Cycle, Tate and Liza, um, Cresselia from Unified Minds, I believe, um, Hydreigon with Dark Impulse, allowing you to attach a target synergy from your discard pile to your active, uh, Dark Trans, Hydreigon, Skyla, and Shedinja with Hopeless Scream. So, kind of an underwhelming pack, but one that is interesting to see off the bat here. So, you get into these situations where you're used to seeing like N or Polaris in the first pack, and you kind of slam those cards, but like when you get packs like these, it makes you think. Um, so I'm looking at this pack, and I'm I'm really not sure which direction I go with this. I'm I'm pick one uh, because we have two uh, really good stage two line toppers here with both Hydragons. Um, I don't know how often. I mean, with a ten card pack, um, it, it's it's a little bit hard to see. But I mean, if you were assuming you're gonna like maybe with six people, if you would wheel one, probably not. So taking a Hydreigon seems kind of risky, um, but Dark Impulse would be the one I would take if I was going to take a Hydreigon. The Nest Ball is just great general consistency, so is the Tate and Liza. The Fog Crystal is a little bit more narrow, of course. Um, the Hopeless Scream, Sheninja, also kind of hard to justify off the first pack because you don't exactly have uh, the the rest of the stuff you need to commit to that line on, on the first pack, so it's hard to say there. Cresselia also, I mean, like... If I thought I was going to play level X or something like that, would be a better card to see late. Same with Skyla. It's better if I have, like, tech cards on it. So, like, a lot of these cards take a little bit of direction. Same with the Regirock. The Regirock's really good for Gigalith, though. Uh, and even Donvan. So, Reg Regirock can also be a nice enabler there. So, if I wanted to go really hard into Gigalith right back, I could take Regirock. But I, I, I tend to just lean towards general consistency. So, like, I'm kind of eyeing up between Nest Ball and Tate and Liza. Nest Ball is just a really good way to get out. I mean, obviously get out Pokemon. Uh, I like it with Gen 3 rules just because it's a great card to have in your hand at the start. Uh, if you're going first, because you can't play supporter cards. So it's harder to play cards like Tate and Liza. But Tate and Liza offers a lot of utility. Uh, the Shuffle Draw 5s, you know, it's all right. But assuming I'm going to play something like Delcaddy or Porygon, it's definitely okay as a hand refresher. But you also get the added switch. And I think the added switch is really strong in this cube. Um, allows you to get out of status conditions like Crobat. Uh, so it can be really useful in those matchups too. Um, it's kind of a toss up. I, I think for this pack, I would probably take Nest Ball just because I really like starting out running out the item consistency. I feel like that's just a really good floor. Um, Connor, looking at this amazing pack we have here, uh, what are your thoughts? I think you've been pretty generous in your uh, assessment of the quality of this pack <laughs> so far. It's the best pack we've ever pack, seen. This pack <laughs> is terrible. <It> is <laughs> How, how sad are you if you get this some pack one? I would be pretty upset. I would not be a happy guy. So the way I see it, you really have three options um, with how you approach this pack. Uh, maybe four, depending on how you look at it. So you could go the consistency angle. Um, Tate and Liza and Nest Ball are both good cards. This cube has lots of powerful switching options, so I tend to lean toward Nest Ball. 
just because item-based search is always very important in high power. Um, but Fate and Lies is also a good card. Um, or you have the test the waters route, I like to call it, which in this case would just be take Hydreigon and then try to wheel Hydreigon. Because if you take Hydreigon, you try to wheel Hydreigon and it doesn't come back, you don't have to worry about Hydreigon anymore. Line is, line is gone, you don't have to think about it, you know for sure it is taken. But if you do get it back, you have an excellent foundation for a Hydreigon line, and it's only the first half of pack one. So, that is a very solid line. Um, maybe the line that I would take, but I'll, I'll get to that in the end. And then you have the, you have the force, either the force or immediate speculation pick. Uh, and, and that, in this case, would be Shedinja or Regirock. Um, Shedinja, trying to set yourself up for the best possible Shedinja draft, although I'm generally not keen on taking Shedinja right out the gate because it is a little bit of a fragile draft. You need a lot of things to go right. So allowing that to wheel the first time gives you a lot more safety in understanding that it is open and you're going to be able to get the pieces that you need. Uh, Regirock, I consider a little bit more of a stable pick in the speculation realm just because it's very good in Gigalith and it can be used in Donphan to get some nice attacks out and accelerate with Stark Mountain. So you have all these options. I don't think any of them is necessarily better than another. Given this pack, the contents, the cube, um, I would be most closely between Regirock and Hydreigon. Uh, and I would definitely take the Dark Impulse Hydreigon as well. And um, just because it's a, it's a more powerful effect. Even though, I mean, if the Dark Trance doesn't come back, then I'm not, I'm not even inclined to stay on Hydreigon. But um, the, the Regirock is... It's a tough call. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I, I actually don't have an answer right now. So I guess if I was drafting right at this second, I would take the Hydreigon and try to wheel the Hydreigon because I want to see if I can make that deck good in testing. Um, but in the actual Cube League, I might take the Regirock because I think it's a little bit safer. Mm -hmm. um, reasonably likely that I end up with the Regirock in my deck if I take it pack one, pick one. So I think if I was really trying to win the Cube, I would take the Regirock. But if I was just kind of playing on a day or having a good time with it, then I would take a Hydreigon. Yeah, I, I like that strategy. Um, trying to, um, you know, you're really utilizing your first pick there. Um, it, it's interesting to see how, like, the, the picks really do matter in your direction. Um, I think the Regirock definitely is a more safe pick because Gigalist has a lot of uh, evidence behind it. I mean, it's won several times, and there's been, a, it's been a, quite a few successful drafts, so it's a little bit more trusting. And a Hydreigon might be a little bit less... Hydreigon's won a few times, but I, I think Gigalith's got a little bit better of a of a track record, I think, overall. Um, I would also definitely want a Regirock in a Donphan build, just because yeah. of Stark Mountain. It can allow you to get to some of Donphan's really high energy cost attacks that deal a ton of damage in a, in a lot faster of a timeline than you normally would be able to. So I think Regirock is an excellent, excellent card in two decks in the cube. Hydreigon is the, you know, the backbone for a deck. If you get these two Hydreigon, then it's very likely that you're going to be totally uncontested immediately. 
And that's a really good spot to be, you know, pack one, you know that something is open that's amazing. Um, but the Reggie Rock has higher odds to actually end up in the deck and be a powerful piece in that deck. So I, I think as far as doing something safe, it's the Reggie Rock. But uh, if you're trying to experiment with the Hydreigon line, or if you're just trying to, if you really like Hydreigon, if you're trying to high roll into something and, and have an easy draft, then Hydreigon would be the would be the call. Yeah, nope. I mean, spot on analysis there. Uh, definitely, if you listen to this, if you have any thoughts, please let us know in the comments. If you're watching live, uh, make sure to let us know uh, what you would take from this pack. Uh, and it's not every day you see a, a bad pack one pick one uh, or bad pack one for your pick one, I should say. Um, but that can happen. So uh, just we want to see the thought process of navigating a less than ideal pack. Here you go. Uh, I do think that's going to wrap it up for the first uh, intro here. Um, when we come back, we're going to be talking about high power and how to draft in high power. So we'll be back in just a second. All right, we are here with the main segment here. We're talking about high power and how to build in high power and how to draft in high power. So, um, you know, count how many times I say high power in this <laughs> in this bit here. But uh, it, is, it is the topic of the hour just because we have a, a high power cube coming up for Cube League uh, this weekend. And we thought this would be a good time to talk about it because, uh, I mean, a lot of people have had questions and we've, we've uh, definitely done a few drafts. So it's been on our mind as far as high, high power building. Um, so... If, if you're someone who struggles with that kind of thing, because, I mean, it is different than um, other power levels. I mean, every power level kind of has its own unique skill set. Um, then this might be the episode for you. And uh, if you're playing in this uh, Cube League this month, definitely tune in towards the end. We'll be going into more of the lines, uh, talking to some of them about how some of them work uh, and how you can prioritize with them. Um, but uh, hopefully this will be useful, especially for anyone who's drafting this weekend. Uh, so we've talked about high power before. Uh, I know we've definitely done a cube analysis on Ben's cube. Last time we ran a high power cube with the cube league, so you can go check that out. Uh, about episode four, five, or so, I don't know. I think it's like six actually. Um, and we've also talked about it in the beginning episodes when we talked about power levels. So high power is um, by all <laughs> by by the name implies a uh, a high power. So the power level of the cards themselves are fast. There's high tempo. Uh, the higher HP level. Um, basically a, a more uh, accelerated game. Uh, in, in some respects. So when you're looking at high power, you're examining your damage output, your uh, your the energy costs for attacks, um, and, and basically just the general uh, tempo of the cube. So you tend to see more acceleration effects, more uh, discard uh, supporters like Sycamore, or even uh, power supporters like Colrus. Um, numbers like you know damage output tends to matter a lot. Uh, depending on how many, not like you know, how fast can you get to a knockout? Are you two shotting? Are you? I mean, you definitely don't want to be uh, falling behind on the price trade. So cards like N tend to matter a lot. So there's a lot of stuff to it. Um, I, I think the biggest thing in general is that decks are generally more streamlined and they're built to do one thing really well. Uh, I, I say keep that in mind for the whole episode because that's, that's going to be a common thread. But high power, as the name is. You know, very very fast. Uh, Connor, any any thoughts on high power before we before we start talking about it? Power is generally uh, generally not my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really try to hide that. I've talked about it plenty of times before. Um, the the speed of it, the 
I, I think it kind of rewards decks that are very simple and straightforward. Um, but uh, I know some people really prefer that kind of gameplay. So uh, not not saying that high power is objectively worse or anything. It's just not, not my thing. Um, and historically, I have not done as well in high power cubes. So um, my... My advice won't be quite as strong, won't be quite as definite in this sphere, um, just because I I am not coming from quite the same place as I would be with another power level. Yep, oh, fair enough. I, I will say I think high power can be a really good an introdu really good introduction to cube. Um, it plays on usually a lot of cards people are familiar with. So uh, if you're new to cube, uh, high power might be a good start. Um, so when we're talking about just a few, few different baselines about it and like how you how you even start your draft, uh, I, I think one of the biggest things to focus on is first like how you build in high power because it's easier to conceptualize like how to draft in high power once you know like what building techniques you need to use here. Uh, and high high power has a little bit of I mean it's, it's very much going to reward good drafting, um, so keep that in mind. But uh, the building traits in general are important to understand what your deck needs to actually do. So I think that's one of the things that people struggle with. Uh, when they're coming from something like, you know, take the Stark example, low power. Um, you come from a low power uh, queue, like the one we just ran for Cube League, where the decks are built to do many different things. Like, you look at the EV decks. Um, the EV decks that we saw in Champions Cube were, by all means, very complicated. They had lots of different lines of play, um, and they had lots of different ways to tech for matchups. And uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's very different than what you see from high power. High power is more streamline you see like one set of attackers and you see lots of consistency built in uh and you're more focused on utilizing those attackers so keep that in, keeping that in mind um so traits of a good high powered deck uh number one is gonna be consistency uh you're probably gonna hear that a lot throughout the episode but consistency is king uh, especially in a high power cube and high powered deck um the biggest thing you're going to make sure to do is you can do the same thing every game uh, if, you're, if your deck's built to do like, too many things, it's, it's going to have a hard time competing against decks that are more consistent. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, high tempo. So that's talking about high power decks that traditionally need to be able to set up quickly. So it means you're usually attacking by around turn three or uh, maybe four. Usually turns two or three is where you want to aim for. And that's important because price trade, right? So if your deck falls a little bit slow or if it's not taking, it's not set up to uh, do anything on the third turn or fourth turn, and your opponent's already... You know, taking knockouts or they're setting up a really powerful board state uh, your deck's gonna fall behind so you got to keep that in mind they're like low power mid power you have lots of turns to use like attacks like uh beacon picks or eek on cleffa stuff like that um you know like to that for two to three turns and then you start getting at your stage two you know your energies and, and high power about turns two or three you need to start uh at least getting off some form of attack so that, that kind of plays into the consistency angle where uh, your deck needs to be able to set up its uh, engine pretty reliably every game uh, in the first few turns. So, right tempo is definitely king there. And then power, so your damage output. Now, that's that's generally uh, involved in you know making of the cube, uh, but uh, you have to make sure your deck is scaling well. So, take Gigalith for example as a, as a deck that can obviously do fifty if it really wanted to, because <laughs> it discards energy uh, for each one you do fifty. And uh, if your Gigalith deck is doing two for a hundred. Uh, and that's the best you got on, you know, when you need to take a knockout, then that's not very good. But if you get like decks built to do like, you know, 150 to 200 on the next turn, like that, that now we're talking. So 
you want to think power in terms of like, okay, am I able to at least two shot or take a uh, you know take a one shot depending on the cube. Um, so if if your deck's doing like you know pity damage on on turns two or three, it, it's generally not something you want to be a situation to be in. Now, I, I feel like a lot of that comes down to the cube builder to put the Pokemon in there. Uh, but uh, when you think about deck strategy, you need to think about damage output. So we have the three the three pillars there: consistency, high po high tempo, and then power. Uh, Connor, anything to add there? Anything I missed? I would say um, just the the general rule for high power deck building and the general general direction you want to build your decks is you want to do something as quickly as possible, as powerfully as possible. Um, whether that be taking a knockout with Gigalith on turn three, whether that be getting a hundred damage circle circuit on turn two, you want to be doing it as often as you possibly can, and uh, and as reliably as you can. So that's the the leading thought, the, the leading line of thought in uh, in high power. Yeah, I, I would agree. I I, I think it, it it comes down to what does your deck do and how consistently can you do it. I mean that's like a lot of what you see in standard even too like your your deck needs to be able to just go fast and now high power doesn't have the same tempo as like current standard does because current standard is a little a, a little ridiculous uh, on on how fast it gets but uh, in high power in comparison to something like mid power I mean the acceleration is definitely there um, so you, you gotta you gotta think and, and sometimes simple and you know it, it, it you want to think about you know what have one idea and, and be able to execute. Um, so that's just like the building consensus. Um, build, and the big thing with high powers, I feel like a lot of it comes down to the draft. Uh, make sure you're drafting the right the right cards for your deck, and you're drafting uh, you know the good um, your consistency engine. Because uh, once you get to building, it comes down to okay, like I have my my line of attackers and I'm here, and then you know the cards you put in are generally going to matter on what your deck does. Uh, so it's a little more nuanced. Um, so let's talk about drafting. I feel like that's one of the most important parts in a high power situation to be drafting. Um, so it, it's much like drafting other power levels, but there's a few caveats you want to think about. Uh, I think the number one thing uh, that you want to make sure you you understand is the archetype that you are drafting. So if you're drafting a Gigalith deck, if you're drafting a Gyarados deck, uh, they're going to have very different needs as far as uh, how the strategies get pulled off. Um, I think generally, if you're thinking if you're drafting in like mid to low power, you're you're generally you have like an archetype like style you're going for like maybe i'm playing a spread deck so you're you're finding spread enablers and you're dipping maybe into different lines to find that like maybe you have a bayonet line that's pairing with something like an amphros line um and in anime power you have enough time to get out multiple uh you know colors of uh, arrangeable types i should say and and multiple stage ones they choose to pull that off uh and in high power when you think about a spread archetype you're you're thinking more about having your lines like okay what, what is the spread line in this cube something like blaziken or decidueye would be a good example so when you're playing spread uh you're thinking more about you know how can i enable decidueye to be as consistent as possible with the spread archetype um hey connor any any other thoughts on that i think you i think you covered that one pretty well yeah uh thank you so then um and, and a good, another good example for thinking about understanding the uh, the the archetype you're in, uh, is, as far as like how the lines go, is something like Gyarados. So if you look at Gyarados with like full retaliation, it's the main uh, part of the line. You're, you're utilizing your Magic Carp's uh, damage to uh, basically blow up whatever is, is in the active. So 
you're, you're, you're balancing a few things. So you're balancing having um, damage magic cards on the bench for retali full retaliation to do a lot of damage. Uh, you're balancing having enough energy to attack with each turn because Gyarados takes a lot of acceleration because it's only two energies, but you know, it's the stage one, you don't have a lot of HP, so you get knocked out fairly often, so you're you want to keep the consistency going. Uh, and you're also trying to manage your bench space because your bench space is very important as a Gyarados deck because that's also playing into your damage output. So if you're drafting something like Gyarados, you have to think about what does this deck need? Well, for starters, you're going to need, you know, damage enablers to pull this off. So if you're in the draft and you feel comfortable in Gyarados, you need to start thinking about, okay, um, instead of like what Pokemon you're drafting, like what tech cards are going to get me there. So something like uh, Magma Base, which there's plenty of that in this cube. Uh, Magma Base is like one of your best enablers. So you're maybe looking towards stuff like that or Frozen City or Rainbow Energy. Uh, stuff that makes your deck work. Um, in addition to like obviously supporters and stuff like that. Uh, but you also need to be thinking about, in terms of making that strategy consistent, um, like what happens to the Gyarados just have to get knocked out. Like if you only have three full retaliation Gyarados, you need more than three attacks to get through the game. You need to think about what recovery options you have available to you in your deck. So something like Nessa is a really good supporter card you should pick up because that's going to allow you to pick up your, your Gyarados and your Magikarps and be able to accelerate the board faster. Um, you also need to think about acceleration. We talked about that with energy. Not something like DCE or Aqua Patch are both really good options. Uh, even if you had to, I, I wouldn't even think about Welder in a deck like this because... Uh, the deck Gyarados needs to be able to attack every turn. So if you're able to pull off a consistent attack with something like Welder, even though you're playing a water type deck, it's got less requirements. So um, stuff like that. Like DC, obviously your best option there. Um, and then you also think about other enablers like Jinx would also be something I would think about too. Something that doesn't allow you to manipulate your damage counters in a way to you can uh, you can then you're not forced to always having magma based in play. You can move the damage counters over something like another magic card or you can take damage from something and then move it over so it just gives you more options in that respect um so when you're thinking about gyarados you got to think about what cards are going to enable me to activate my strategy and those would be ones i would think about um another thing and as far as like ideas go is is don't shoehorn too many ideas into the deck you're trying to build um like, like we talked we talked about with uh with like low power that you're you're generally trying to build a deck that can deal with a lot of different things. Um, in, in high power, you're you're mostly just focused on getting uh, your deck to do one thing really well. So the more types of Pokemon you put together, the more lines you can mix in. It makes it harder to pull off. So uh, if you're thinking about your timelines, okay, by like turns two or three, I'm trying to execute you know this strategy. Um, trying to tech in like a whole another line to to deal with maybe weakness. Or another matchup, uh, it's, it's just gonna slow you down a lot. Um, uh, it kind of also plays into like you, you, some people try to get like too meta brain with their <laughs> with their deck, and and um, in high power, you're gonna get rewarded on um, on 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 the consistency of your deck. Like I think that's gonna pay off more dividends than having a deck that can uh you know it it can attack but it also can mill you. Like okay, it it, it can probably do that maybe. 20% of the time it, rather than if it did one thing really well then then you're set um so try to take into your lines and make your deck clunky and you'll follow him more often than not an example would be like if you're playing let's just say gigalith gigalith takes a lot of pieces gigalith has a um you know a an, a Bacephala on like engine where you're trying to either play Nigandals or you're trying to play Richie Rocks and you're trying to use something like Richie Cyclone or, or um Reggie Cycle <laughs> excuse me Reggie Cycle to uh bring back energy uh, and that's kind of your game plan. You know, you're trying to take, you're trying to set up a, a Gigalith fast, 
go into uh, you know a big attack rocket artillery early uh, and, and put a lot of pressure on your opponent. Uh, and then trying to if, – if you got too worried about maybe your grass matchups, um, uh, you, you might be tempted to maybe take in like a fire like Salazzle, which can do a lot of damage, uh, or you know a fire-type attacker, like maybe even like Blaziken or something. And, and, and in like other power levels, that's fine. Like usually you can get away with playing multiple stage one lines, um, and that's pretty common. Um, but in, in high power, it, it just – to reiterate the point, it, it just slows you down a lot. Uh, and, and you won't always have time to get out those other attackers. Like, if you have a whole another strategy that, okay, this, this maybe gives you a better matchup into, like, what you're weak to, uh, it, it, it can tend, you, you might just lose those matchups anyway just on the fact that you can't set up, and you also also probably lose uh, matchups you would normally uh, fall to because of that. So in high power, you definitely have to think about, um, you know, the, the one idea. Um, Connor, do you have any, any thoughts on, like, at least, like, how to deal with weakness and maybe in a high power situation? Uh, most of the time, if you're dealing with weakness, most of the time, there's not a great way to deal with weakness in high power. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much always going to be a bad matchup. The best things that you can do are make a deck that is faster than the deck that you're weak to, which is very doable in some cases and almost impossible in others. Um, if you have flexible energy requirements, then you can include weakness guard energy, but mileage may vary on that most of the time the pokemon with the weakness card energy isn't going to live more than a hit or two anyway so you maybe buy one extra turn out of it um in in the highest power cube the weakness really doesn't matter because everything is one shotting everything anyway in this cube weakness absolutely will matter because one shots are not incredibly common so um <laughs> best advice is Try to play something that, uh, you know, in a perfectly balanced environment, which this cube is getting pretty close to, uh, or hopefully getting pretty close to that. Um, play a deck that you think not many people will play the weakness of. <laughs> it's, uh, the outlook is not great in <laughs> general. Uh, but there are certain decks that are a lot better than it, uh, against it than others. Uh, for example, something like Donphan that hits and runs back into a doll, doesn't really care as much about weakness because um, it just uh, it just hits and runs into the doll. Like, most most of the time the opponent is attacking into the doll. Donphan doesn't have a tremendous health total anyway. It's not particularly hard to knock out. Another set of decks that don't really care about weakness is uh, Stage 1s because their health totals are not high enough to take significant hits anyway, uh, and so it, it ends up... Uh, being about the same tempo, most stage one decks are trying to capitalize on some very powerful synergies or be very fast, and uh, they are no stranger to being knocked out in one hit anyway. So, uh, really, really, the decks that are impacted the most by weakness in high power, at least in this high power cube specifically, are the stage two decks. Um, and uh, weakness guard energy can help a lot because your stage twos are more likely to survive more than one attack, but. Uh, for example, if I was, say, fighting weak, I wouldn't worry quite as much about it because Gigalith can one-shot me anyway. Donphan's damage isn't amazing, so um, like in Magnezone, maybe I'm not even getting one-shotted by a spinning turn either way. It's, uh, it, it, it's tough. There's no instant solution for everything. Um, you know, we've gone into great depth in low and mid-powers about ways to deal with weakness, but in high power, it, it's more in the draft 
and uh, more dependent on exactly what line you're playing. Um, and one thing that is not related to dealing with weakness that I did want to reiterate that you talked about earlier, uh, but I just wanted to restate it because it's so, so incredibly important, is recovery. Reliable item-based recovery is absolutely critical in most high-power cubes because you are losing attackers very quickly and you need to establish new attackers very quickly. I would not want to play any high-power deck without at least two item-based recovery cards. And depending on the deck, sometimes I might even want to play three if I need to recover big lines, if I need to re uh, recover level Xs as well as pre-evolutions. So that is something very important to keep in mind, and I, I just wanted to uh, state that again because uh, it's just so important. Yeah, I'm actually really happy you brought that up um, because putting it putting a spotlight on it. Like recovery is like one of the biggest things that I I, I don't really see enough people drafting <laughs> in high power. Uh, it, it it's something you got to think about, especially item based recovery, um, because something like Brock's Grit's gonna be pretty slow. You usually want your supporter to be like a really good draw supporter or like a Kakui or something that's gonna like, lead you closer to like winning the game. Um, and you, you don't always have time to recover like six Pokemon or energy, but something like Stretcher or Ordinary Rod or Super Rod, super important cards, especially. I like Gyarados as an example here because it needs, it's obviously it's stage one to attack, but also needs a basic to inflict damage. So uh, Gyarados can definitely run out of steam if it doesn't have enough recovery. So if you don't have something like Nessa or Clara or, or Super Rod or Stretcher uh, to get back your Magikarps, you're losing out on your attacker and your damage output. I think Gyarados is the best example of like why recovery is super important. Like I wouldn't play Gyarados with less than like two recovery cards just because like you have to have uh, all those things in play, and especially if a Magikarp gets like knocked out for like maybe some pain damage, or uh, even like yeah, a little bit of spread on the Magikarps can sometimes uh, knock them out, <laughs> and uh, and it can really it can really suck because then you got like multiple Magikarps in discard pile, and it can feel really bad to have to recover all that. Uh, if your deck runs out of steam that way, like that's like the worst way to lose, right? Uh, you run out of all of your attackers, you run out of your uh, your your basics and stuff. And in high power, like losing a turn like that can can be devastating. So I tend to really like cards like Stretcher that allow me to get Pokemon back to my hand immediately. Uh, that kind of plays into the consistency angle. So like cards like I think Clara is a really good like recovery supporter um, because it puts the cards into your hand as opposed to having to shuffle them in. And I think that's one of the best effects you can ask for in a high power cube. All good advice, all well said. Um, so did you have like any like like when you're going into this cube draft uh this weekend, like you have any general strategy you're going to like paint to? Are you trying to get into a line as fast as you can, or are you kind of leaning on the solid like fundamentals of like trying to figure out what's open or like how do you usually approach these things? Um so it really depends. Um I, I really like to do a lot of testing beforehand, just in general. But uh, so you're asking for this cube specifically, right? Uh sure. Or if it's easier to answer with like something like Vent's cube, even that we ran for the other league. Well, see, I have answers for this cube, but I really need to leverage every advantage I have in the upcoming cube league. So <laughs> <laughs> what about like in uh, general? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I can talk about this cube. So, so in high power in general, I will say though. Um, one of the one of the first things I'm thinking about is uh, for each line, what do they need to do to execute their game plan, and um, what is the payoff for that? So, for a line like Shedinja in this cube, Shedinja needs a lot. 
you need damage enablers, you need to set up quickly, you need to play in certain ways against certain matchups so that you don't just auto lose on spread stuff. So there, there are a lot of things that a lot of moving pieces in Shedinja and uh, and they are vulnerable to disruption. A lot of the self damage stuff comes from stadiums, which if your opponent plays a stadium, then suddenly you you don't have self damage, you don't have fuel, uh, which can be very impactful to your game plan. So lots of things to think about there. However, the upside to Shedinja is like one energy 150. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> 100, 150 damage on a stage one for a single energy is very good payoff. So. Those are the kind of things that I'm thinking about. Um, I really, in high power, so in low and mid power, I'm looking for synergies that can combo with each other, ways to cover weaknesses in my strategies, that kind of thing. In high power, I'm just thinking about what are the cards that will allow this deck to be as powerful as possible? What are the cards that I can add into this deck to shore up bad matchups, but not warp the Pokemon line? Um, because I, I really don't have the room to warp the Pokemon line to, to fix bad matchups. Um, what are some ways that I can maybe push a strategy up to a next level? You know, maybe I can find some damage mods somewhere, or I can find a nice disruptive option that I can slot in. Uh, but really, so for a deck like Donphan, you know, I, I want to know my hit cards because they're really important. Like my dolls, my strong energies... Um, those are, in some cases, even more important than the Don fans themselves. So those are those are the kind of things that I'm looking for. Um, what are my hit cards? What do I really need to be looking out for? What you know does my deck run around? And then um, then you can look at you know possible tech possible tech cards, possible ways that you can enhance an already existing strategy, things like that. But a lot of the time, it is going to enhancements are going to come in the form of support Pokemon that just sit on the bench or your trainer line um, or even your energy line in the case of strong energy. You definitely need to look at those things at the minutia more than the macro level playing a tech line of Pokemon for a certain matchup. Uh, it's just not nearly as viable. So um, really refine your deck down and look for those ways to kind of push beyond yeah, no, definitely really well said. Um, and I, I want to add on to that too. Uh, I I think something I, I've noticed, especially um, as I've seen, you know, people try this cube and I know the hyper cubes in general, and um, maybe it's true for other cubes too. But uh, I think it really drives the point home for this is, uh, you need to be looking at like the enablers for your deck, uh, really well. Um, so like if you are playing like something like Don Fan, uh, if you have like a six four Don Fan line, that's that's not necessarily enough to have a have a have a a a, a whole deck. Uh, a, a Dawn fan hit running, hitting, hitting and running into nothing um, that's going to help you get farther in the game is generally not the best. So that's where you want to look at, make sure, like, when you see stuff like Dolls or you see stuff even like Boba Fett or um, Strong Energy. Strong Energy is probably the best example. Because you look at a card like Strong Energy, and what does it do? It allows you to get better damage, uh, better numbers with Gigalith, and, uh, and you know, obviously better numbers with uh, Dawn fan. So... Um, when you're looking at cards like that, you got to think about like what enablers allows you to uh, go into, and uh, maybe I kind of pinched my whole self into a, a poor example. I, I think a better example would be even a card like Magma Base, uh, which obviously is really good in Gyarados, but also can be used in something like Shininja. So when you're looking at the draft, um, yeah, maybe you're in the middle of like the the first few packs, not your pack one pick ones, but you see Magma Base. 
Uh, you got to think about what the card enables you to play into. So uh, it's it's easier to find pieces like that uh, in the mid middle of the draft when you see like cards. Like that. You're like, okay, well, I can play this magma base in uh, in a few different lines here, uh, and, and and it's easier to make those decisions when you start seeing like stuff like Gyarados and Shinja when you have the stuff in your grab pool. Uh, rather than if you let all the magma bases go, you and you see the Gyarados come through later, uh, you don't really have a way to get into the lines. So. Uh, you gotta think about what lines, like what cards in the cube are going to enable you to get into a specific line. Something like Welder as well. I think Welder is maybe a better example than the previous two. Um, Welder is a good fire acceleration engine, but it's really good with anything colors cost. So if I take a Welder, uh, I now have an engine I can play with something like Noctowl, which is all colorless. Something I can play even with Gyarados, even though it's water type, it still has colorless requirements. Uh, but also, the most obvious application would be something like um, Blaziken or Salazzle. Probably more so Salazzle, because Blaziken's got three fire starters. But uh, nevertheless, like Salazzle would be a deck you'd really want to have a lot of fire acceleration because uh, it still takes you know two energies to attack. But uh, you, um, in in the search for uh, you know poison enablers, burn enablers, like having the welder engine built in or having that in your draft pool enables you to get in that line so much easier because you don't have to prioritize uh, the uh, status conditions over something like welder. So when, you, when you're looking at that car, that line, that car can fit into a bunch of decks. Also convince them like Crobat as well. Crobat has all colors requirements. So uh, when you're looking for like, you know, acceleration engines like that, like that, that's a good way to start. Um, also, I mean, like you got to examine like the lines you're into. If I have something like Raichu, for instance, um, I want to make sure I definitely am taking stuff that is going to enable me to get off a fast voltage shoot or circle circuit, something like eels and like DCE. Uh, DCE, I guess, also falls into that realm. Um, so you just got to look at cards and think about not just like what they're like, okay, like a, like this is like a, a good supporter. This is like a good stadium. Like what is it, like what lines does this one card enable me to play? Um, and and you're thinking about like, okay, what archetypes do I have options now into? It makes it a little bit easier to commit to a line because you have found like the consistency you need to get into those lines rather than trying to find, okay, I found the Gyarados first. Now I got to find the Magma base, but maybe like two Magma base have already gone and someone else is on Shininja. Like that, that's a bad situation to be in when you want to think about, you know, as a whole, okay, what, what options are available to me? Do I have enough enablers to get into this line? You, does that make sense? What I'm trying to say, Connor? Yeah, it absolutely okay. does. And uh, to kind of build off of this point too, um, drafting versatile enablers is excellent because they can go into a lot of different decks. And something that I haven't heard you talk about yet, so I want to draw special attention to, is the faster you are in your archetype in High Power Cube, the better off you are. Because you have more time, you have more picks to make your deck as refined, as consistent, as fast as possible. You don't waste as many picks speculating into Pokemon that you don't ultimately end up playing. In mid and low powers, that can be perfectly fine. And in high power, it can be fine too. But every single turn matters so much in high power that any any improvement to the speed, any improvement to the consistency, any improvement to the overall game plan that you can make is going to win you games. And uh, as, as a result of that, Finding out what you're in in pack one can be such a tremendous advantage for you. Uh, it's not always possible, and you shouldn't force things just to try and get to a deck. But if you notice that something is open and you don't think that it's complete garbage that you can't win with, do not be afraid to just say, okay, it's locked. Like, I'm, I'm on this now, and dedicate your draft toward that. Because I have personally had a lot of drafts go south 
that could have been excellent drafts because I didn't trust myself and I was trying to speculate too long. I was trying to stay open too long. Uh, high power really rewards people for seizing an opportunity as soon as they see it. Yeah, definitely. Um, that that I feel like that's that's one of the most true things with high power is like understanding when to pull the trigger. Um, and you gotta just. Uh, I mean, obviously, don't force like that. That that doesn't work out more often than not. But you're right. Like when you see when you see yourself, you have enough like a foundation to be in a line. Like that's like as soon as you can get into something like that. I also think it rewards like identifying like signals really well. Like I remember, like, like, like Zach Craig is a really good example. Like, he does a really good job of like identifying open lines, um, and in the way he like backdoored into Blaziken and Vinsky was just like, it was it was immaculate. Like the way you if you can identify an open line, as the sooner you can identify an open line in high power, I think the better off you are. And that's always a really good way to go if you can figure out if a line is open. Um, now you always have to ask yourself why it's open. Like if, if you've seen like six dinos in like the first pack and the hydrogons aren't, are like coming through then and you don't have any dinos that maybe that's not an open line for you. But, um, you know, if you're able to like speculate, like even like we saw in the first, like our crack a pack where if you take the hydrogon and then try to, if you try to wheel the hydrogon, like that can be really good Intel. So you want to think about terms like that too. Like if you're able to get whatever enables you get into a line faster generally is more advantageous for the long run. It's ultimately high power is about uh, trimming as many rough edges as you can, and uh, it's just another way to do it is is really focusing in on that draft. Yeah, and and hopefully that's a good uh, starting point for drafting high power. Uh, if if you're not playing in the cube league or maybe it's where you're listening past the cube league, the next part the next part of this might be less interesting to you. Um, but I would like to go over some of the lines in the cube and not like you know like a full-on analysis of the line but i would like to bring up some good points at least like what cards you can pair it with some cards you want to look for uh and connor feel free to interject at any point too i'm just gonna be going down the the lines here um kind of rapid fire but obviously interject uh when you when you see fit um so we're looking at my my cube called grover cube on cube kogo you can follow along actually if you have you know maybe a spare device or if you listen to spotify you can open up cube kogo at the same time but um the first line you'll see it's did Sidway obviously has like you know spread archetype here. You have your your tracking shots, doing your 80, 80, and your your splitting arrow. It really wants to set up a splitting arrow into a tracking shot. So Sidway is kind of an easier deck, I, I think, to uh to get into because it doesn't take a lot of pieces. Uh, Sidway kind of is all encompassing. I think the biggest thing with Sidway is going to be your acceleration. Um, something like Celebi Prime is a really good card for that deck if you can get into an engine where you're able to promote Celebi Prime, get an extra energy attachment because all of the Sidway's attacks are two. Um, and they're, they're, so they're really cheap. Uh, so even just getting like a free energy of Silly Pre-Prime is really nice. Um, it, even less so, like you can utilize stuff like DCE really well or Double Rainbow. Double Rainbow is a little bit more sketchy because you reduce damage. But if you can get into something like, you know, Double Colorless Energy, uh, I think you can really make the, the deck pop really fast. Um, but you got to keep in mind the Splitting Arrow is a Grass Colorless. So I think Celebi Prime is maybe one of your best options there. Um, but not a whole lot I can say about Decidueye. Just want to make sure that you're drafting the you know, consistency. I, I do think you definitely need the splitting arrows for the deck to work. Uh, the tracking shot is really good, and you can set up uh, knockouts with skill dive, but the, the, the splitting arrow it's on its own is really efficient. Um, I think another good pair you can maybe make with it could be this uh, Cresselia level X uh, as a way to, uh, you know, get set up damages even more proactively, even if, like, on basics, your opponent has to bench it, you get extra damage and play a splitting arrow, you can move it over. So you can think about partners like that, too. Um, 
I think another line that pairs well with Cresselia is actually the other grass line is uh, Sheninja. So we talked about Sheninja before. It's kind of a glass cannon, uh, especially in the draft. It's got a very fragile draft, and that's because like the hopeless scream attack, uh, doing fifty free damage counter on it is um, can be really good. But it, it obviously needs. It doesn't. You don't just bench Sheninja and then you're like, okay, I'm I'm good. Like you have, you need more stuff than just that. Um, and I will say uh, the best advice to anyone trying to draft Sheninja is please. Please read Floet. <laughs> Floet gives you 20 extra HP on your grass Pokemon. That is one of the most important cards for Sheninja um, that I haven't seen drafted. <laughs> so um, there's a six four line of Floet in there. Floet's definitely the number one card you're looking for. Aside of your obviously your damage enablers. Um, but even just one Floet. Even just one Floet. And your your damage output is so much better. I guess I could have mentioned Floet with Decidueye as well, because you could make a really beefy Decidueye deck with that, but uh, I'll leave that to people who are drafting. Um but Shedinja, to biggest enabler is Floet. Uh, outside of that, uh, I actually think uh, a partner I have not seen people talk about is Spickmuth. Uh, Spickmuth lets you, when you retreat, or not necessarily retreat, but when you go to the bench um, uh, from the active, you take two damage counters. And Shedinja just got this really great attack for one energy that's letting you spread damage counters to your opponent's bench and then move itself to the bench. So it's like a hit and run. Uh, and it does trigger Spickmuth. So that is one way you can get it. Uh, another more obvious and easy way to do it is Magma Base. Uh, you just bench the Nankata, it takes two. Andrew, you told me to interject at any time, and I gotta interject here. Sure. Your, I, I am truly offended by your pronunciation of Spike Myth. Spike Myth? Spike Myth. Spike Myth. Uh. <laughs> Spike Myth, Spike Myth. Tell us which one is right. I'm pretty sure it's Spike Myth, and I'm just wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Spike Myth. Spike. Okay. Well, I did ask you to interject, and that's completely fair analysis. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't help myself. I really needed to intervene there. Spike um, Muth. Okay. It's. It, I. I think it's just Muth. I don't think it's Muth. Muth. It's M M U T H. I think it's just Muth. Spike. Spike Muth. See, they need like the uh, phonetic, uh, spelling for. I agree. I, I think phonetic. Uh, phonetic. Uh, notation would be excellent on every Pokemon card name, um, but you know that that's wishful thinking. <laughs> and I think they kind of revel in people not pronounce pronouncing things the same way, like like total, like like Yveltal. Yeah, total <laughs> tangent. Um, on the uh, on on topic, um, Decidu So just going back to Decidueye real quick. Um, there are lots of partners. I'm not going to talk a ton about partners because I I don't want to influence the metagame too much going into the Cube League. And I also want people to innovate new combos that we probably haven't thought of because there are definitely uh, a lot of things that you can do in that realm. But uh, the big thing about Decidueye is the more tracking shots that you can get off, like the, the more enabled tracking shots you can get off two for 160, um, the, the more likely you are to win the game. So keep that in mind. And then uh, with Shedinja, I think that... Uh, it is potentially very powerful, but you you really need to have an eye out for your enablers from pack one. Yeah, definitely, because um, Shininja doesn't just come together automatically. Um, it, it does need a lot more to go with it. Um, but uh, I mean that 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 comes into the draft. I mean you're drafting a deck that is doing a lot of uh, damage for one energy, so it's not necessarily an easy deck to to play or draft. Um, a spike spike muth. Okay, that's my takeaway. Um, I, I think that's a good card for the line. I also think like something like Jinx or Cresselia Level X is really good for manipulating your own damage counters. Um, 
just something to think about. But yeah, make sure you're definitely paying attention to what your damage enablers are. And, and I'll reiterate this. Please read Floets. It's really important for the line to come together. Um, coming back here. So then we're looking at uh, Swampert's the next line. Swampert's pretty straightforward. I think uh, the biggest thing with Swampert is energy acceleration. Uh, something like Naganadel is an excellent partner. Uh, or something like... Uh, Melanie, which is surrounded in this queue to like attach to anything because obviously there's no V's in this queue. Um, you can also can look at stuff like the uh, the ancient train swampert, obviously, is a really good acceleration base to it, but uh, you're gonna need to get like multiple energies out, so definitely be looking at acceleration options. Even like I think Rehan is a new card, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, I apologize for saying it wrong, <laughs> uh, but uh, all your acceleration options are gonna be really important. I also think something like washout, like the washout swampert, is really good for your deck. Um, but also just, you know, keeping in mind how you're going to keep energy in play, uh, really good, important thing to think about. Gyarados, I don't have to spend a lot of time talking about. We talked about it plenty. It's been a, my example multiple times in this episode, but, uh, recovery, magma base, and magic carps, all very important. Uh, if your deck has like three magic carps, it's going to be pretty rough. I would also be considering something like Ditto Prism Star for this kind of deck because you want to have as many magic carps available to you for, uh, full retaliation as possible. Also, I think something like Cessation Crystal with this deck could be really good. Just keep that in mind. You can have two tools attached to it, which is kind of nice. Um, moving on to Blaziken. Blaziken's kind of a... Uh, it's, I, I look at it as more of a spread deck. I think everyone's kind of got their own thought. I think I think it's kind of... It's really its best option is using that Fire Stream as spread. Um, so you want to make sure that you are getting like the Fire Stream Blaziken to so just keep your attacks enabled as fast as possible. Um, I think even stuff like... I mean, obviously, Welder would be really good. I mean, you could pretty much pair any of the Acceleration Engines with it. Um, I don't really need to talk too much about Blaziken. It's pretty straightforward. Um, Salazzle is one of the weirder ones. Uh, Salazzle takes a lot of comboing to hit some crazy numbers. It's kind of like Sininja in that respect, although, uh, Salazzle just needs status conditions, but really what you're looking for there is, like, your Flareon star. You can play multiple stars in this cube, so you can play two Flareon stars. Uh, you're obviously your hot poison, uh, Salazzle, but I think the even more important thing with this deck you're looking for is ways to reset that, uh, ability. So for that, you're going to be looking at maybe your Devo Spray, your AZs, and even like Surprise Time Machine. You can Surprise Time Machine a Salazzle back in the deck. Uh, you can even you can even evolve into Spit Poison or Hot Poison. I don't have it in front of me. Um, hot Poison, and then Surprise Time Machine into a Hunter's Nails, and that works. And you reset, and now you have Hot Poison for later. So think about stuff like that. How you're going to be reusing the Salazzles. Um, for stadiums, there's one, it's called Full Flame. That's like your best stadium uh, for you to play. It gives you burn extra damage. So something that enable your damage output to get higher. You also can look at stuff like the Viper for extra poison damage. So stuff like I and stuff like that. Um, then we're moving on to the lightning right to the lightning lines here. Uh, the right two line. Uh, definitely Circle Circuit is going to be your most uh, important attacker here. But the Raichu level X, I think, is really strong, especially for you uh, to to take multiple knockouts, to even get through a, a big attacker. So you can Voltage Shoot and Circle Circuit in the same turn. Um, for that, I would be thinking about how you're going to get energy on Raichu, whether it's going to be Eels or DCE. Uh, I, I tend to really like it with Eels just because uh, Voltage Shoot does take two lightning energies, and I really like using that attack. Has two level X's uh, for a reason, and I think Voltage Shoot gives it a lot of like really crazy combo he plays. So if I'm looking at Raichu, you want to be definitely thinking about the um, the the way you're going to get energy out and accelerating, um, and uh, also like if you can find maybe a ways to buff his damage. So even stuff like Kukui is really nice because you only you're capping out at about 100. Um, so that could be really good. I think the uh, the Alolan Raichu as well 
as something that can deal with something with like a lot of energy, like maybe even a, a Croat or a um, a Dawn fan that has maybe like four energies on it could be really good. Uh, but for Raichu, you're really just thinking about speed. If you get into a fast circle circuit, I think you're off to a really good start here. Um, the other Lightning, which is actually, I think, more of a metal deck in a Lightning type body, is Magnezone. I think Magnezone is one of the more weird lines, um, but uh, it, it's more of a tank deck. So you want to be utilizing a lot of your enablers here. You want to be looking at stuff like full uh, or metal core barrier. Metal core barrier taking off uh, 70 damage if you are a metal type. And the Magnezone doubles its type as a metal and lightning type. So that's something you want to be thinking about. There are two of them. So you can you can chain metal core barrier. You also want to think about stuff like rough seas as well. Heal off. Uh, so basically you can resist 30, 70 and then also heal off 30. Uh, it gives you a, a a firm basis to like tank through attacks. Now you are vulnerable to obviously tool removal. You are also technically uh, vulnerable to um, battle frontier because you are an evolved metal type at that point. So that can shut off your uh, metal core barrier. So stuff like that you want to think about. But uh, some really cool aspects of the line is definitely dual brains. Dual brain pairs really well with this magnet bolt, being able to recycle trainers. So even like something like flare grunt, you can recycle a lot of energy disruptions or stuff like that. You want to be thinking about with this deck. Uh, and the super connectivity is also just really good for keeping tempo. Um, but the one thing I want to highlight is the level X. So level X is a is a You can use Cybershock once per game. But if you are uh, trying to get around weakness, that changes your weakness to fire. So if you want to be thinking about how you're going to play around something like Dawn Fan, uh, Giggle's less of an issue. Giggle kind of one shots you anyway. But uh, if you don't want to be taking big spinning turns, uh, definitely think about the level X. Uh, in addition to having like stuff like weakness, like having a um, coating energy and frying pan. So. All those can be really helpful for Magnezone. Um, and then we move over to Psychic. Uh, there's not a Psychic Stage 1 line unless you count Neganadel. But there is the, the Crobat line. Um, the Crobat line, obviously, you're trying to enable Sound Veil. A uh, little bit of a stance technique here. And then also stuff like D-Valley, really important for your deck. You're generally uncontested for it, I would say. Um, so you you want to be able to utilize stuff like DCE and or even like Eels or some way to get... Uh, off a, a fast sound veil or surprise strike. Uh, I think kind of like Salazzle, you want to be able to, if you can re-enable sound veil, it's pretty good. Um, being able to utilize multiple uh, sound veils. So obviously, a really strong strategy. Um, but Crobat, Crobat generally, it, it, it's going to reward you for utilizing like also some disruption like N and those kind of things. So I think I think Crobat's more of a, a general line. I don't think you have to think too hard about all of the uh, enablers for it. It kind of just enables itself. Um... And then we move on to fighting. Fighting is what we got to talk about. I don't have too much time talking about it. Gigalith uh, with your rock artillery being able to utilize two for uh, two for at least 100. And, and you can bump that up. Uh, Gigalith definitely going to come down to your uh, ways to get uh, Regirocks and ways to get Neganadels. Um, that, that's definitely the thing you want to be thinking about the most is how you're going to get energy into play with Gigalith. Um, also, I think in, in general, you're going to want to play something like Delcaddy or Porygon. But especially in this deck, you want some way to... Uh, refill your hand because the discards of Regirock can be very punishing um, if, if you have that, if that's the engine. So be be thinking about ways to recover cards in your hand or fill up your hand. Uh, but Gigalith plays really well with stuff like that. Also plays with um, plays really well with something like uh, buff padding because it has four retreat. So you can have a really, uh, really big Gigalith out there. Um, but yeah, pretty much just comes down to acceleration. Uh, I think Rare Candies also play really well with it. So getting out a fast Gigalith. And you have Dawn Fan, you're hit and run um, in this in this cube. Um, usually you want to be hit and running, hitting up into a big wreck uh, turn. So you can use something like uh, Strong Energy or also even the Regirock you can use for acceleration. Um, 
And then uh, something that pairs really well with a Dawn fan too is something like Wobbuffet or Pikimuku, something that allows you to throw out like, really good things on the active same point like dolls and stuff like that. So I'd be looking at those for those type of lines. Um, moving on, I think we've covered most of it. The last line to hate, talk about here. Oh, we have two more. Hydragon. Um, Hydragon is definitely a uh, a stage, almost a stage three deck. I think the break's one of the most important cards for the line, uh, but there are two of them. But Hydragon, you're going to be wanting to get into... I, I don't think you're just spamming Calamitous Break. I mean, it's all very expensive. If you're able to spam Calamitous Blast, like, you know, that's good for you. But uh, generally, you're one way... Uh, trying to uh, get a uh, good acceleration engine with the dark impulses, but the break's the most important piece here. I think stuff like Double Dragon is really important, but above all else, I think stuff that allows you to fix your damage output, so um, Devoured Field's really good. Even if you don't have Devoured Field, I would think about Laser. Stuff that's going to allow you to hit 160, because 150 isn't necessarily enough for a lot of the lines, and Hydreigon, if you're discarding three energies, you want to be taking a knockout, so I'd be thinking about I'd be thinking about damage, uh, damage buffers uh, in this kind of deck. You do have stuff like Weed Out to clear off your bench too. So if you played something even like Flareon, sorry for the burn, you could you could um you could then weed it out. So a lot of options with Hydreigon there, but definitely want to prioritize the break. It's definitely your best card. Um and then last as far as line goes is Noctowl. Uh is kind of a cool line. It, it it's it's more of a poltergeist line with the night scan. So the break's definitely your main attacker. The main thing you want to go for here is the night scan, doing sixty plus thirty for each trainer card in your opponent's hand. Uh which can be uh I mean it, it, it really comes down how you can manipulate your opponent's hand. So you have a few different cards here. You have something like Surprise Box. There's two of them. That's basically an E-Power, allowing you to do 30 extra damage. And then you also have um, you have the Noctowl that lets you look at your opponent's hand. So you can sort of evaluate how much damage, how much you need to manipulate your opponent's hand for you to get the num numbers you need. You also have something like Imp Imposter Professor Oak, which is going to let you reset your opponent's hand. Also in like Team Rocket's Harassment, allowing you to shuffle uh, your opponent's, you and your opponent's hand up to five. Uh, so it could be a good way to reset your opponent's hand, especially if they're trying to play around it. So Noctowl, you want to be thinking about ways to manipulate your opponent's hand, as well as something ob obviously like DCE or Welder or Eel, some way to accelerate energy. Um, and the rest is kind of just, uh, you know, set up on. So Connor, anything I missed? I was just kind of a quick rundown over the queue, not obviously our normal analysis, but something just to give people a frame of mind of what cards to go for if you're looking at each line. So this is uh, this is not actually in reference to the line specifically, um, but do keep in mind in this cube that very powerful consistency is extremely abundant. Um, don't be afraid to over-prioritize your Pokemon to ensure that you get into the draft that you want to get into or that you're aiming to get into. Um, uh, good consistency cards are extremely numerous in this cube and it's not going to be difficult for you to build out a good consistency base so um pay pay very close attention to the pokemon pay very close attention to what's coming around things like that um things that you aim to do in a normal draft but uh, in a normal draft you'd also be worried about you know you see a steven's advice in a pack well i really want to take steven's advice because it, there aren't that many of them and it's a super good draw supporter it is still a super good draw supporter in this cube however you really need to be conscious of your Pokemon, um, because at the end of the draft, there are going to be have been way more opportunities to get that consistency together than the Pokemon line. Yeah, definitely well said. Um, so hopefully this has been helpful. Any final thoughts on a high power or Risa high power building before we sign off here or go to the uh, conclusion? Hopefully by the end of this league, I will be slightly less confounded by high power. Uh, but <laughs> it, 
also possible that uh, that doesn't happen at all. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, you'll have to see. You guys will have to uh, tune in and find out the progression. You know, see like the the arc uh, that Connor takes here for high power. Yeah, see Slight's fate in the next episode of the PQ podcast. Yeah, that'll that'll be a fun way to <laughs> to see how you're feeling at after. We'll be we'll be a few we'll be a weekend, so we'll we'll know yeah, we'll, we'll know. <laughs> we'll be like three four rounds in at that point, so. Yep. Um. So we'll know. This will either be this will be your Joker moment or your or your your hero moment. <laughs> you know, see my previous trend of not feeling confident after the draft and testing, and then doing well this time. I'm already not confident we haven't even drafted, so hopefully that continues the trend of low confidence, good finish, and, and uh, you know, I've, I've started low confidence even earlier this time in preparation, <laughs> uh, so hopefully the finish is even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> but uh, I think that's going to do it for our segment here. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully this was helpful. When we come back, we are going to be talking about, well, what's going on with our lives. And we got a few exciting announcements. So if you don't want to miss it, stick around. We'll be right back with the conclusion. All right. We are here with the conclusion. Thank you to everyone who's been watching live. Uh, we have been really liking this format. Uh, I think we're going to keep it going with it. Uh, it's, it's, it's really nice to be able to see interact with people in the chat. Um, I do think we're going to be start doing this on YouTube, though. So... Uh, we were going to do it on YouTube today, but uh, apparently you need to activate your YouTube account uh, or something like that. So uh, next time we will have it uploaded on YouTube. And if you are watching on YouTube, you are getting a double whammy because uh, I've been really busy. I have not uploaded the previous episode to YouTube and Spotify yet. Sorry. Um, but basically think of it as like a double header this weekend. So uh, I, I hope this episode was helpful. Um, I know we kind of ran through the cube and uh, we don't normally like to do cube analysis despite the fact that we've done like i think three of them but they have the kind of they do kind of warp the we don't like we don't like warping the meta we don't influence the meta in a very unhealthy way so at least giving people a general overview seems like the best compromise but that is enough about that i do have a few announcements i want to make um because i'm really we're really excited about them uh number one is that we are going to be starting a patreon um that's more information is going to be coming about that in next episode so about two weeks uh that'll be for the podcast just just so people are familiar. it's not for the discords for the podcast um but more episode or more information coming about that soon just want to make sure everyone is aware we're very excited about that and as well as a new website is going to be coming through so we are going to be making a website for the podcast um that that also is in the works um that more information to come but just something to be excited about and we have a few new youtube videos coming out as well i just need to get out the I don't think I uploaded the Cube League <laughs> the Champs Cube uh, VODs. Well, they're coming out. Uh, the draft's up there right now, but I've been a little bit behind lately. I apologize. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's it. But, yeah, I'm really excited for what's coming down the pipeline. Yeah, that was a, that was a good announcement. I didn't even know about the website, and uh, I, you know, I've been here the whole time. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to catch everybody by surprise, man. Everyone's got to get surprised today. Yeah, but that's uh, it's very exciting. Yep. So you'll be able to uh, you know get updates on the podcast episodes. Uh, don't it's obviously nothing compared to Cube Koga, but it'll at least give us a little bit of a you know an easy way to find us. So another way to share the podcast and grow some more Cube. But um, yeah, anything going on with you, Connor? I know it's been two weeks, so 
I don't know how much can happen in two weeks, but I don't know. One time you got engaged in the whole two weeks, so I don't think it's changed. Yeah, I mean, that was exciting. <laughs> um, I've been playing a lot of standard lately. Yeah, like po post-rotation? Yeah. Yeah. No, post-rotation's fun. I like post-rotation. It's super fun. I've, I've been really impressed with how much fun the format is. Yeah, I, I've been playing a little bit of it as well. I actually just rotated today on PCGO, so... Now you don't have to play yeah. against uh, ADP, but um, yeah, I'm really excited. I've been testing a bunch of different decks, and obviously we've been talking about standard as well. Um, like any decks you're particularly like into right now, or that you think are really fun. Um, so I've been having the most fun with Sylveon. Uh, it's just super versatile, really powerful. I've been testing different versions, and uh, I've liked it a lot. Ribbon Badge is a very, very unfair card. I like unfair cards in my deck. But I haven't gotten to test a bunch of the decks that were just played and successful in the Chill series. And I a lot of those are super cool. I haven't tested anything like it. I was theorizing the Stable Eye deck, but I, the version <laughs> that I had in my head was very different from the one that they did well with. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that this format is super wide open right now, and that is making it so much fun. There are just so many good cards legal right now, and usually post-rotation standard has a very small set of very powerful decks. But right, right now, that's that's completely been turned on its head. Um, some of the, you know, people always said that ADP was the format's gatekeeper. I don't necessarily think that was true toward the end of last format. I think that uh, Shadow Rider was a much bigger offender, especially with uh, Gengar Mimikyu GX. That was, uh, that was a crazy powerful card in that deck, but I'm uh, getting a little bit a little bit <laughs> off topic. Um, the changes that have rolled into this rotation, I feel, have actually expanded the metagame dramatically as opposed to narrowing it even further. Um, I was not hopeful for post-rotation standard, I will say, just because uh, in the pre-Evolving Skies meta, people were testing some post-rotation and... It didn't look great, but Evolving Skies introduced so many cool cards to the game, introduced so many powerful cards to the game that are also fun to play with, that lead to interesting and diverse decks. And uh, I hope the meta stays as wide open as it is right now, because honestly, Standard right now feels like it has the deck diversity of Expanded. And it just, it is representative of a much larger card pool than it actually has, which is fantastic. Um, even, I, I keep referencing this Chill Series tournament, so I just want to look at it real quick. I'm going to pull it up on my display here. So, in the top eight for Chill Series, there were six, seven different decks. Seven different decks in top eight. And then if you expand down to top 16, you, you add one, two... Okay, top 16, a little bit less. Top 16, there <laughs> nine different decks. But even so, that's wild. Like, yeah. We have not had a standard format in general like that, but we have also not had a post-rotation standard format like that in a very long time. I gotta love how like the winning deck from that tournament was like uh, Ludicolo, uh, Suicune. Yeah, <laughs> Suicune, Intellion, Ludicolo. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things with standard. I do like that, like, while, like, I know there's a lot of, obviously, the basics are being utilized here, but there is quite a bit of evolving with, like, support Pokemon. And I think as far as, like, you know, you know, we're never going to get, like, you know, full-on state two lines. But this is this is still pretty cool. It's, like, it, it's moving really far away from, like, you know, you're playing quad to Dene, and I'm going to draw through my deck, and then maybe uh, do a big attack. But right now, it's, I feel like the Inteleon engine... Well, I, I don't know if people are sick of it or not. I don't know. I haven't talked to people playing Standard, but I think it's really neat to see like the consistency engines being more, being more evolving Pokemon related as opposed to just like you know your Dedenes or Crobats or Eldegoss. But yeah, the the changes to the format um, have been really neat. Uh, slowed it down a little bit. Um, not necessarily in the sense that decks can't do as much as quickly, because they definitely still can, but it's not as reliable. Um, right now, my biggest fear is just that uh, decks like this Suicune one, that, that just use like a basic and then make that basic do everything that they could possibly, I mean, the, the Ludicolo Suicune deck is really cool, but it also makes me a little bit nervous just because Suicune is a super efficient, super powerful card. Are we going to see decks that are just focused around these super efficient, super powerful cards? Or are we going to see cool toolboxy decks like the Sableye, like the Leafy, or not the Leafeon, the, the Sableye, the Sylveon, um, stuff like that? I, uh, I am excited, a little bit nervous, but I uh, just want to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm also excited. I'm really interested to see like you know what what how the meta evolves uh i definitely agree like this is like the most uh open um open post-rotation meta i've ever seen in the past you know four or five years because like i i usually i mean especially the past two rotation formats have been uh i mean unified minds post-rotation wasn't that bad but um sun and moon on was pretty rough that was that was uh that was just uh zork and you had Malamar, and then there was Rayquaza, sort of, and uh, I think there was a Buzzwall deck there too. It was pretty rough, <laughs> but uh, I mean, this is like, you know, I'm looking on this list too. It's fairly open. I can't. It's hard to. It's hard to believe that there's that many like decks that's like, you know, we can. We also came from a lot more of like a, like wasn't this open before like a few sets ago. It was definitely not this open. So it's nice to see a change of pace. Uh, and I agree. I've always guys have released a lot of cool cards into the format. And I, I don't know, I'm excited to be talking about Standard even because I feel like, you know, for the past year and a half, it's been like, yeah, I don't want to touch that. <laughs> so now it's getting to a point where it's like, okay, this looks like pretty fun. Obviously no events announced yet, so we don't know if regionals are happening. When, when regionals are happening, I'm assuming they're happening eventually, but, you know, with the Delta variant being as it be, we're kind of just waiting and see. That's why we got Keep League, right? So, but now I'm with you. I'm, I'm really excited for Standard. I've been playing a little bit of it as well. Also played the new Hearthstone update. Uh, it's pretty fun. I think it is in need of a balance patch, but um, it's kind of ridiculous the stuff you could do in that game right now. Yeah, the Battlegrounds patch I've also enjoyed a lot. I was pretty burnt out on it before, but this has breathed a lot of new life into it. Games are exciting and fun again, which I think is pretty great. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree that it desperately needs a balance patch, but even unbalanced, it's still pretty fun, and, and at the end of the day, that's really what matters. So, uh, having a good time with it, and uh, hopefully that balance patch does come through pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's not like, since it's not like a game I'm playing, like, you know, competitively, like, you know, with the Pokemon, it's like, it's fine. I can, I can just enjoy the brokenness for what it is, but, you know, in the future, I, I do hope they do, like, take some of the 
some of the chaos down it's kind of there's there's some things that get pretty unruly uh very quickly and um i don't know it, it's fun right now because it's new so I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling too bad about it but it, it is kind of nice it is nice to see a change of pace though i was getting like yeah i like i was like easy i was getting burnt out on i, I was at you know six 6.5k mmr and it was kind of still in there and it was just kind of uh demoralizing so many so much so much i've played in that game it just it gets gets old after a certain point so adding a bunch of new added a ton of new minions uh that it really makes the game feel very fresh so i don't know i've been liking it so far uh outside of that i mean i mean i i just, I just went on vacation so i was it was really fun got to see the uh the uh grand canyons that was that was really fun i i really enjoyed that um but yeah other than that not a whole lot going on for me just you know working and uh playing pokemon yeah been playing pokemon for sure also <laughs> been playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu -Oh has been fun <laughs> oh yeah you've been um you want to talk about the new uh Yu -Oh playground is that what is that what we're calling it it's the Yu-Gi-Oh! Playground series. It is a Yu-Gi-Oh! format specifically designed to imitate the experience of early to mid-2000s Playground Yu-Gi-Oh! The magic of being able to play decks with things like Blue Eyes White Dragon and, and just uh, playing big guys and doing silly things. And uh, pretty much everyone round one was running some meme combos, and I'm hoping that round two they're running slightly more refined meme combos, and we'll see... <laughs> exactly what comes out of it i know right now i'm playing like a, a ritual deck that has a chaos sub theme and it's just wild it's been a lot of fun i lost uh so round one i, I did really well i went 5-0 and then round two um i lost my first match to dark worlds and we don't even have the good dark worlds yet he literally just played down a mystic plasma zone and all of his guys were bigger than mine <laughs> i lost it's just so so much random stuff happens and it's great. I strongly recommend it. Um, it's it you can join it anytime. It's a totally casual event, uh, but uh, always always welcoming more players. Yeah, and that's that's in the Q Discord, so you don't even have to you don't even have to meet new people. You can just join the Q Discord and play Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, nope that that looks like a lot of fun. I'll definitely be down to check it out sometime uh, when I get a little more free time. Um, but. Any anything else before we sign off here? Any final any final remarks for the good of public? That's about it from me. Yeah, I'm about out too. So uh, if you've been watching this far, thank you so much. We always appreciate the support here. Um, once again, you've been listening to the Pokemon Cube podcast. Don't forget, next time we are going to be live on YouTube, so you don't want to miss that. But that's going to do it for us here. Again, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.